Amen. Hey, go ahead and grab a quick seat. And as you do, would you let our worship team know how much we appreciate them leading us tonight? Thank you, guys. They did such a great job tonight, and it's great to see so many of you here on our campus. I want to welcome everyone joining us online as well. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Adam Bishop. I serve as the lead pastor here at Vaughn Forest Church, and I love this service. I love our Christmas Eve service. I look forward to this every year. And isn't it fun that this year, it actually feels like Christmas in Alabama. Isn't that good? Some are like, no, man, they need to keep that weather up north. But uh, it's been kind of fun having some cold weather here these last few days. And uh, making this kind of feel all Christmassy. And since it is Christmas Eve, here's what that means. The waiting is almost over. I mean, Christmas Day is almost here. And isn't that part of the Christmas season every year that we just wait and we wait and we wait to finally get to Christmas Day? But see, here's what I've learned about Christmas. For different people, they wait and they look forward to different things. Some of you are looking forward to having the whole family together. Maybe some of your family's here tonight. You're visiting from out of town and we're honored you're here with us as guests. This may be one of the only few times of the year that you get everybody together and you have been waiting for that. Maybe work's been crazy and you've just been waiting for a break and it's almost here. Maybe you're a student and uh, man, this past semester was tough and you had lots of exams and lots of difficult teachers and you're just waiting to get away from them to have a break. Or maybe, and this is my favorite one of all, you're a kid and you can't figure out what is wrapped under that tree, right? You've been staring at that gift. You've been asking mom and dad, what is that? You've been guessing and uh, they aren't giving you any hints. The waiting is almost over. You're going to find out soon enough what that gift is. And maybe those of us who are adults uh, can learn from that. I mean, sometimes as adults, we get caught up in all the craziness of Christmas and we kind of forget what that was like. So adults, just for a second, I want you to think back. Can you remember your favorite Christmas gift that you ever received on Christmas? Just think about it for a second, okay? Does it come to mind? Do you have to kind of find it? Do you have to search for it? Do you remember what age you were? So if you can kind of think of yours, I'll share mine and maybe that'll help you remember yours. I was in the fourth grade. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was 10 years old and I got a basketball goal for Christmas. So this was a big deal because see, in my neighborhood up until this point, there were no basketball goals. So if you wanted to play ball, you had to go somewhere else. And I had recently started playing basketball and my parents could tell I really liked this. And so they got me a basketball goal for Christmas, but they did it right. They did the scavenger hunt gift. You guys ever done the scavenger hunt gift where they kind of hit a card in the tree and I found it and it led me to another part of the house and I found another card and then eventually I was led to this basketball goal and it was awesome and I was so excited. And here's what was really great about that basketball goal as a gift. Not only did I get to enjoy this gift, my friends got to enjoy it with me because now our neighborhood had a basketball goal. And for the next several years, our driveway was the place where many epic battles went down, if I may say so myself. In fact, there were many a times in my driveway where I sunk the game-winning shot. Nobody was there to see it, but in my own imagination, I made many game-winning shots. And it was this great gift that I got to unpack and I got to share with others. But what I want to do for just a few moments tonight is I want to take you to Luke chapter 2, to an obscure character in the Christmas story who oftentimes gets overlooked and yet... In Luke chapter 2, what we see is this obscure character, Simeon, gets to unwrap a gift. And this gift is unlike any other because he recognizes when he meets Jesus, the gift of Christmas, that the intent of this gift is to be shared 
with others. And so I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 2 in a second. I'm going to read a few verses for you um, from God's Word. But before I do that, let me give you a little background on Simeon. When we meet Simeon, he's near the end of his life. He's an older gentleman, but earlier in his life, he had received a super unique promise from God, and that promise was this, that he wouldn't die until he met the Messiah. Now, if you're new to the Bible, Messiah is a word mostly used in the Old Testament by the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, the Jews. And this word Messiah carried with it this hope that God had a plan, that God would send them a rescuer, that God would send them a Messiah. Obviously now we know that Jesus was the Messiah, but see, there was a lot of confusion about who the Messiah would be and what it was the Messiah would actually do. In fact, if you study the life of Jesus, you'll see this. That when Jesus starts his public ministry, some people want Jesus as the Messiah to be more of a political leader. They want him to free them from the rule of the Roman Empire, but that's not what Jesus came to do. Well, see, Simeon's at the end of his life, and he gets a prompting from the Holy Spirit, Luke 2 tells us, to go to the temple that day. And when Simeon goes to the temple that day, who walks in than none other than Mary and Joseph? And they are there with the infant Jesus to go through the rituals of what you would do if you had a Hebrew boy born at that time in the temple. So we pick it up there in Luke chapter 2. Simeon is able to meet Jesus, meet the Messiah, hold him. God reveals to Simeon that this is, in fact, the Messiah that you've waited for. And here's what Simeon says in verse 30. My eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, it's really interesting that when Simeon meets the Messiah, he calls Jesus a light. Isn't that interesting? And by calling Jesus a light, Simeon tells us three things about why God sent us this light at Christmas. The first thing that Simeon tells us is that God had to send us a light for salvation. Did you hear it? That was the first thing he said in verse 30. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Why did God have to send us a light for salvation? Because you see, sin causes darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place, maybe in the woods or maybe in your house and maybe the electricity went off. And if you're in a dark place, the only thing you need is light. Now, you can kind of try to feel your way around and wander around and kick and stumble and grab and feel, but eventually you're going to need a light to figure out where you're going. And see, that's what sin does to our world. It brings darkness into our world. Can I tell you that's what sin does to each of our lives as well? That sin is our way of looking at God and saying, hey, God, I, I, I think I actually know what's best for my life. And God says, that's fine. See where that gets you. And eventually we find ourselves in a place of darkness because of sin. And what Simeon tells us this first Christmas is that God sent us a light for salvation to rescue us from sin. The second thing that Simeon tells us about this light, and this is pretty remarkable, is that this light is for everyone. Let me go back and read what Simeon said. He said that this light was a revelation to the Gentiles. Some translations say a revelation to the world. Now, this is interesting because the word Gentile means anybody other than a Jew, anybody other than a Hebrew. And Jesus was, in fact, a Jew. He was from the line of David. And it's, was, it would have been very uncommon in the temple of the Hebrew people to speak of the Gentiles. And that's exactly what Simeon did. That upon meeting Jesus, 
Simeon says this is a light, not just for God's chosen people, the Hebrew people, but guess what? A light for everyone. And at Christmas, we're reminded that when God sent Jesus, he sent this light for everyone, that it doesn't matter what your family pedigree is. It doesn't matter what your level of education is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your resume says you've done or, or maybe what your resume says that you should have done. See, what we're reminded of at Christmas is that when God sent us this light, he sent his light for everyone. And then the final thing that we see from Simeon's story is that when you receive this light, God actually makes you one of his lights. After holding the Messiah, let me tell you what happens the very next verse, verse 33. After hearing this, after hearing Simeon say these things about Jesus, here's what it says. The child's father and mother, who's that? That's Mary and Joseph. The child's father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about Jesus by Simeon. Isn't that remarkable? That the very mother of Jesus, Mary, would marvel at these words spoken by Simeon. You say, what's going on there? Well, what's happening is that when Simeon recognizes who this light is and he speaks about who this light is, simultaneously, God makes Simeon one of his lights. And that's how this works. And that's how this has always worked. That God sent us the light Jesus at Christmas to be our rescuer, yes. But then here's the remarkable thing. See, when we are rescued by the light, he then makes us one of his lights. In fact, that's one of the gifts God gives the world. In fact, speaking of gifts and speaking of lights, if you're a kid in this room right now, you should have gotten a gift on your way. Now, it's not a fancy gift, I know, but it is a fun gift nonetheless. Did you get these little finger lights? Can I see for a second? Can you guys help me out? Cut those on, okay? I want to make sure everybody got one. If you didn't get one, we'll find someone that can get you one really quickly, okay? This is good. Now, parents, if you ended up with a light, give it to your child, okay? This is for them, not for you, okay? If you're a teenager and you took one, you see a kid sitting around you, they don't have one, make sure you get one, okay? So here's the thing. Simeon says that Jesus is a light for everyone. And Simeon, upon making this declaration, recognizes that God wants to use him to be a light. Now, if you're a kid and you've got, you guys are doing pretty good. I can see some of those lights up here. This is kind of fun, all right? So can you all see each other's lights, kids? Can you look around? If you need to get up and stand up and look around. Now, if you stand in one of these chairs, it'll flip up and throw you out of the chair. So don't do that, okay? That would not be a good way to spend Christmas Eve in the hospital. We don't want you to do that. But can you see these lights? Okay, so you can kind of see you've got your light. You can kind of look around the room and see a few other lights, but it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. If there was only something we could do to make it easier for you to see these other lights. Now, what is it that we could possibly do, kids, to make it easier for you to see these other lights? That's a fantastic idea, all right? Smart kids here at Vaughn Forest, all right? So watch this. Whoa, there we go. Yeah, hold those up so everybody can see them. Now, parents, don't hold up your phones, all right? You're going to ruin my illustration, all right? <laughs> Look around the room now, kids. You see all these lights? See, here's what's amazing about your light. When it's darkest, your light shines the brightest. And when it's darkest, your lights can combine with other lights to produce the most light. And kids, one of the things you're showing us right now in this moment is that even though this world continues to be a dark place, we actually can be called to be a light. And see, when we're in a dark world and when we're a light together, we too can be like Simeon and give testimony to who Jesus is, this light 
at Christmas. So let's cut the lights back on so nobody falls down and gets hurt and makes something bad happen. And as we cut the lights back on, I'm going to ask our worship team to come out. And as our worship team comes out, I need you to hear one last thing I want to share with you. See, this light that we talk about at Christmas is for you. It would be a shame to go through another Christmas season mentally and intellectually understanding the story of Christmas, but never getting to a place where you decided to make the light your light. See, there's a number of times in the Bible where Jesus not only claims to be the light, he also says things like, you're the light of the world. There's a writer in the New Testament named Paul. He writes more books than anybody else. And in one of his letters, do you know what he says? That your light is to shine brighter than all the stars to those who don't yet know Jesus as their light. See, Jesus didn't come at Christmas just so that we could stand around and observe a nativity scene. He came to rescue you. He came to make you one of his lights. He came to give your life a purpose. He came to give your life the assurance of knowing that you can spend an eternity with him in heaven forever. And here's why that matters. You no longer have to fear death. So can I encourage you this Christmas season? If you've never received the light of Jesus Christ into your life, to do that. So that you could experience the joy of your salvation. So that you could be a light to a fallen and broken world by pointing others to him. We're going to end our time together tonight singing Silent Night. The church I grew up in, this is how we would end our Christmas Eve service every year. We would sing Silent Night, but then we would have candles and we would light our candles and we would hold our candles up and we'd sing Silent Night. And the church I grew up in, it wasn't this big. There weren't as many people at our Christmas Eve services. But I always remember seeing all of those lights and thinking, there might actually be some hope after all. That if this many people are going to leave this room with a light, we might be able to chase away the darkness. So as we sing Silent Night together, can we claim that promise? That God has called us to be a light in this world. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And as you stand, we've got a team of volunteers that are going to come around and help you light your candles. And as you get your candle lit, Matt and our worship team are going to lead us in the singing of Silent Night.